0: Welcome to the I'll Think About It podcast. Nothing is off limits in this space because we are interested and curious about everything. Join us for a thoughtful journey into the heart of the deep issues of our day with a few laughs along the way. Let's do this. In this podcast, we talk about gun ownership and who the typical gun owner is. You'll probably be surprised that your stereotype isn't quite correct. At least I was. I think you were too, Aaron, Right?
1: I was really surprised. I was not completely clued in on who owned guns, who's been buying guns over the last couple of years, and we really we went into the statistics on that. So be ready for that when you're listening. But you'll see when you get to the other side. It's worth knowing that because there's a lot of information out there, and unless you know the actual numbers, uh, it's hard to um, get a true picture of who gun, owner, gun owners are.
0: Right. Okay. And keep in mind that in the show notes will be um at least all the references that we talked about and then some if you want to go into uh, some further research, which I encourage you to do. Okay. And here is the podcast.
1: Yes. Enjoy. And welcome to our first inaugural podcast. And today we're starting with a pretty spicy topic. Aaron, what are we going to be talking about today?
0: Well, something about guns.
1: Yes. What was it? Well, we're going to talk about who gun owners are. Oh. Yes. We have a lot of, uh, our society has a lot of different pictures of what gun owners look like and we want to just break that down and.
0: Oh, so we're going to talk about what gun owners are really like.
1: What they're really like. Ah. Yes, okay. yes. Uh, as opposed to how they are portrayed, mm-hmm. which, um, in some cases might overlap. In some cases, I think a lot of cases they don't. Okay. Okay.
0: That sounds so, interesting.
1: Yes, but first I wanted to uh, ask you, or actually, how are you doing? I wanted to ask you a couple things today and get just to know you.
0: Well, today I'm a little on the tired side, I have to admit. But uh, short of that, no, everything's good. I've I had a good week, had a productive week, uh, enjoyed watching the uh, World Series. Unfortunately, my team lost. Who's your team? I was hoping for the Phillies. Okay, yeah, they were the big underdogs. It was kind of a one of the. If they had won, it would have been one of those great all-time underdog winning kind of scenarios. Um, but as it was, uh, the probably the best team did, in fact, win. And it was the Astros. Oh,
1: I'm Boo, sorry. Hiss. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your team didn't win. But, yeah. I didn't even know that the World Series was on. So. That's yeah. I mean, yes. it's like
0: either you're in the know or you don't care. Or right? you don't care. Yes, yeah. yeah,
1: So I, I'm admitting that. I, it's, it's Monday. Today is uh, November 7th. And I have a question for you. Okay. Have you voted?
0: I have not voted yet. Be- oh. No. I am really? a, a same-day voter kind of really? guy okay. or voting day voter kind of guy.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was. That's what I wanted to ask you, your thoughts about people who vote. Well, for the day of voting, We're, we'll get to this in another podcast yeah, in great detail. Topic, but I, just since it's the day before voting, I, I might ask you.
0: I'm kind of uh, I don't want to be a hypocrite about voting, and I'm I'm a big believer that we should have simply one voting day. Okay. So I don't believe in early voting, and so I make a point of going and actually voting in person on on voting day, which is tomorrow for us.
1: Yes, I so. don't know, Josh. Josh pulled out our ballots today. And we're going to get them all, I think, filled out tonight. Right. Uh We probably – I don't know. We might go over there in person because it sounds like the theater, right? The old theater out right of even, the street. I didn't even
0: look at where it was. Is,
1: is a, a polling spot. Okay. So we pro- we'll probably go up there. And if it just looks – or if we run out of time, we'll just drop them in the – the bin i know no i know no
0: you can't drop I them know. in the bin but last
1: time i've done it before and i can track it all the way through
0: oh. I... okay okay <laughs> oh that's a topic for another part
1: okay i know i know it's more of laziness even though i know what i'm supposed to do no that's all right okay well that's all right um and any movies We've seen any other stuff going on? Well, you've no. been focused on the world series.
0: Uh, yes, uh, I did. That was the primary media consumption of the week, but I did start watching I Love Lucy again. <laughs> and I haven't really watched it for a few years. You know, I have all the DVDs or whatever. And just every time it's just amazing at how good that show was. I just, I, I, it's just incredible how good that show was. And, and now we know a little bit about Lucille Ball and her, how, how that show was created. And when you watch the show, it seems so like spontaneous, but it was exceedingly heavily rehearsed, but you cannot tell. It's, they're so natural. They're so seemingly like impromptu. Um that you would have no idea that, that she especially was like, rehearse, 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 rehearse. And so everything you see on there, for the most part, was completely, utterly planned. And it's just amazing to me to see that, uh, that it could seem so fresh and, and, and not rehearsed.
1: I did not, I, I watched I Live Lucy growing up. I haven't watched it really as an adult. I have friends that, Love I Love Lucy. You know, it's, re-watch really,
0: it. it's really worth it. it.
1: I, I, I think Hannah and I tried to go back and watch it. And I, you know, I, I'm so bad about watching black and white.
0: Oh, really? That's yes. your big?
1: I don't know. Well, that's that. why you don't want to watch old movies. I there. know. Now
0: you have you have to, you have to get,
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: you, you kind of have to get I'm over not that.
1: Proud of that.
0: Okay. Well, look at it this way. Well, I know for a fact that you do like some black and white photographs, don't you?
1: Yes, I do. I right. love black and white photos. So
0: so so look at it from that perspective, say look at look at how amazing that they were able to use the black and white medium in a in a visual way. Okay. Maybe that'll change your approach. <laughs> but listen, the content is so good and so funny. It's I mean it's dated in a lot of ways, obviously, and uh but it's still it's still it's so good to watch. it's so fun to watch. I laugh basically on everyone. The only other series I've ever watched that that I can go back to years later and enjoy as much as Seinfeld you know
1: Seinfeld is a classic completely
0: different kind of show but
1: but timelessly funny but yeah,
0: timelessly funny and um anyway, yeah, so that was my big media consumption week.
1: Well, that's good yeah I mean. Lucille Ball is uh, going to be a favorite, fan favorite yeah, forever. Fan favorite I mean, they just—they just did the movie. I—I I didn't see the. Yeah, I didn't. see I it I didn't either. see it. I don't I, know.
0: I'm not a big fan of biopics, generally speaking. They seem a little too, especially these days, a little too, I don't know, messagey and.
1: That's true. Yeah. Trying to maybe make more out of the character. Than yeah, they exactly. Do and
0: I, I, as a matter of fact, I remember a friend of mine was telling me that uh her daughter was a little I don't know if it was this production or if it was a biography somebody was written where they kind of went into this whole oh Lucille Ball was the first woman she was woman power on this and her daughter <laughs> said something to the effect of you have no idea that my mother wasn't that at all she didn't want to be the head of a studio that was that was she was kind of forced into that situation through through the divorce she hated being the head of the studio that was not who she was so all these people trying to turn her into this uh
1: I'm woman. Hear me roar. Yeah, it's just like
0: no. That was not who she was, according to her daughter. As she mm-hmm. tells the story, and she was really kind of miffed about that. Just no. She was a woman. She liked being a mom. She liked, you know, she liked her work, but she didn't want to be in charge of a studio and all this kind of stuff. That was all. That was all Desi. He was the he was the the uh, business brain behind that. And when they did their separation, um, he kind of sold sold out, um, and she just by virtue of necessity had to start running the studio. And I don't, I don't think she did it for more than a two or three years or something. It was a relatively short amount of time, maybe a little bit longer, but I think she was, it sounded like she was quite happy to divest herself of that responsibility when she did anyway.
1: (laughs) Well, no, it's a, it's a really good point. I think a lot of movies today do go back and try to recreate or make something out of a character that maybe wasn't the original intention of the character or what they were thinking at the time. Yeah. They, they want to go back and put intentions on the person mm-hmm. that weren't – that were based on today's standards, right. not based on what's, what was happening in the Especially
0: past. Especially if it coincides with a, a type of message. Oh,
1: absolutely. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Um, what movie did I see? Oh, we, we just saw a movie called The Greatest Beer Run Ever, and, <laughs> which is silly. Was this sounding. safe for kids? <laughs> it was. Actually, it is based on a true story. Of a man during the Vietnam War, who has all his friends. There. He's in. It's said in New, or well, he lives in New York. The friends live in New York, and all these uh, young men on his block are all have all gone to Vietnam. He hasn't gone because he's in the Merchant Marine, and he decides that he wants to bring beer, smuggle beer into Vietnam, and bring beer to his friends.
0: Oh, okay. All right.
1: And no, it's based on a true story. And okay. a lot of the guys are st- like the ones that survived Vietnam are still alive today. And it started out a little rough. Zach Efron starred in it. I've never, I've heard his name so many times. I had never even seen him before. Which,
0: he's, he's like a young guy, right?
1: He's not that young. I'm, he's oh, probably yeah. 30 or something. Well, anyway, that, it's,
0: hey, listen. It, that's young to me that's
1: now. young i'm thinking young teenage young yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah okay yeah no it was good it was it was a good move started out a little bit rough but we ended up liking it it had a good message i mean he he sort of was this dumb sort of guy stumbling along doing something very dumb and when he gets over there all of his friends are like you came into a war zone to bring us beer are You like an <laughs> idiot and he realizes that he was an idiot but then he is awakened to how terrible it is over there and right. comes home sort of a changed guy and it was, a, it was a good message
0: yeah and he he gets to kind of come over there as an observer in a way instead of just a combatant or a participant
1: exactly exactly and he sort of gets himself behind enemy lines by people think he's a CIA agent because he's sort of dressed in plain clothes right but over in middle of Vietnam so why else would he be there yeah right so it's was, it was good
0: that sounds that sounds interesting what is your uh rating on a scale one
1: rating oh, about a six.
0: Oh, that's six or seven.
1: No, I mean for a free movie, you could see a six or seven. Man, for free.
0: If it's if somebody doesn't tell me it's an eight, I'm.
1: Oh, it takes a lot for a movie to be an eight, though.
0: I know. That's how that I don't see very many movies.
1: Well, yeah. Okay. I mean,
0: especially a comedy. If somebody tells me a comedy is a six or a comedic type film is a six, I'm suspicious.
1: Well, yeah. Okay. I, 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 think, I don't know that you would like it. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know that it'd be worth it. It's one of those movies you would watch just to be entertained and right. with a slightly, you know, with a good message at the end, but not, not the best movie.
0: Okay. So what's our topic for today?
1: Well, we are going to talk about people who own guns and with the ever growing debate over people who carry guns, how they should be carried. Who should be carrying them and uh, what I feel is a caricature-like description of people who carry guns. I think that the time for this conversation is now. And
0: when you say the caricature of people who carry guns, you mean the kind of person that people think carry a gun versus the kind of people who actually carry guns?
1: Yes, exactly. I, okay. I think that we have a news media in our country who likes to portray gun owners as a certain stereotype. And, you know, it's interesting everywhere in society, they say, don't stereotype, but when it comes to gun owners, they love to stereotype.
0: Yeah. Well, that's because they consider them conservative right-wing crazies, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It's just a a
0: part of the overall stereotype, probably in a lot of people's minds. And
1: easy targets.
0: And what do you mean easy target?
1: I think it is very easy to, uh, for the media, I think they're I think they find it very easy to stereotype gun owners, so I, I think yeah, it that's makes gun owners are an, an easy target. White, especially
0: manors. since there isn't a lot of representation in the media of gun owners, right? So it's yeah. you can just throw out your typical stupid caricature and nobody's going to challenge it.
1: No, no one's going to challenge yeah. it. You know, you, you end up having challenges in conservative circles, but across the board, there's very little yeah, challenging. The of general it. media, you know, general the, media. So mean. what
0: is the caricature? What would you, how would you describe it?
1: They describe a lot of gun owners as white male and, and young, but actually most gun owners are over 40 and most gun owners, gun owners have money. The, some, we'll get into statistics further on in the podcast, but if you're, If you make an income under twenty five thousand dollars, chances are you do not own a gun. You most gunners, gun owners, are going to be over.
0: Is that because of the cost? The cost of the gun.
1: Probably the cost of the gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cost of the gun, the access to for the cost of the gun, the you know access to um, permits, having to follow through on that takes takes time.
0: So, other than white male, what other aspects of the gun owner is the
1: Stereotype. Well, we've got the gun owner. I've got a couple different ones. We have the gun owner as the militia member, and with his bunker, with his bunker, <laughs> his grenades, and a lot of guns. Right. Uh, we have the gun owner as the hunter, and that's actually you know that that would be in the media circles that try to portray the gun owners uh, poorly. The hunter is the. Least offensive. I
0: think. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, even, well, we, they got those TV shows where they have hunter, you know, it's, it's a common thing you see in the media is the, the hunting aspect. Although, uh, you do certainly get the impression that as a, as a group, hunters are still very small group. Yeah. So it's, do. it's not of, of total gun ownership. I don't know what percentage they are, but at least in the hunter proportion in the, Population at large seems relatively small overall.
1: It, it, it is. And it depends on where you're talking about too. Demographically, obviously in California, there's going to be fewer hunters. We have more people. We have a higher population in California, but, uh, you know, per 100,000 people, that's how they like to measure statistics. It's going to be smaller in California than it's going to be up in Alaska or in uh, Montana. I mean, Alaska, there's a lot of hunting up in, Mm -hmm. in, by everyone that native Native Alaskans and you know uh, non Native Alaskans, that's a very common way to you know hunt for food with right. using a gun or for safety. I mean, there's bears everywhere in Alaska. Most people carry guns.
0: So, how does the caricature differ from the reality of what actually is your typical gun, if there is such a thing?
1: Well, we will get into that. That there are, you know. The, it's interesting because you look back on the gun ownership and how it's changed, actually, in the last couple of years, and who has, who has been purchasing guns. I mean, in the last couple of years, fifty percent of the gun ownership has been, uh, or gun purchases have been by women. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, women are. That's shocking. Yes.
0: W- was that from the FBI? Uh, it's
1: not when you register your gun. It's when you purchase. You right. have to get a permit. And so a lot of – they get your demographics. Okay, It's pretty specific on who's purchasing guns.
0: That's still a fascinating little tidbit though that over that – and we're talking basically over the COVID years.
1: It's over the COVID years.
0: Uh, yeah. Is there any speculation on the reason for that? Yeah.
1: Actually, they, they – the uh, gun and a girl – Surveyed women who were new to firearms and inquired about their motivation to learn about guns. And
0: I'm sorry, Gun and a Girl is that it's a magazine? It's called
1: Gun and a Girl. I, it's an organization. Oh, it's an organization. Yeah, it's, they promote their mark. They promote uh, gun safety for women. Okay. Gun lessons. Um, they market to women right. and just sort of it, they enable women to have easy access to guns. And they actually they did some really interesting. Um, they recorded some really interesting t- statistics, and they've got 14% of women are purchasing guns. Uh, they have fears of riots, uh, mobs, civil unrest. Uh, 12% have purchased because of upcoming elections and fear of gun bans. You know, that was that's a big subject, too. The gun ownership went up when people perceived that Biden and then when Biden won. Yeah, people started I, purchasing more guns.
0: I think that's a pretty well-established uh, trend whenever the government switches into a mode where the people in power seem more likely to restrict ownership uh, purchasing spikes. And I think that's that's been seen quite a number of times over the years. Yes. So that's not surprising yeah. particularly.
1: It's perception too, which so. is interesting because you don't even know what ha- – they, they're recording this prior to – perceived bans going into place
0: right yeah it's just what they suspect might happen
1: yeah so my behavior is affected by what i think is going to happen in the future so you're causing me to buy you're going to ban guns in the future but that's causing me to buy guns now so you're actually having it's an inverse relationship yeah that is interesting it's um eight percent lack of law enforcement resources seven percent pandemic uncertainty of access to essentials
0: what was the top item
1: the top item was 14% were riots. So this, uh, this okay. was, this so was taken. So that, that would
0: be people in urban areas that were affected by BLM riot type stuff.
1: Absolutely. Or whatever, or whatever. All the riots that were going on right. during the, um, you know, during the pandemic year, especially in it's still know, the interesting. summer of 2020.
0: I mean, I mean, how many reasons are there? Like 12 reasons? No, we're
1: almost to the end. They're kind of, know. some of these are a little bit overlapping in my mind, but 7% uh, pandemic uncertainty, access to essentials. Which is a little bit interesting. Are you – I mean are you thinking you're going to have your gun so you can go buy your toilet paper? I don't know.
0: Yeah, that is – I don't know know what that means. I
1: don't know what that means. Um, Seven percent rising unemployment, which then would result in a fear of crime.
0: Right.
1: Okay. And then seven percent fear of targeted violence. Right. So that could fit into just – Yeah,
0: a number of them. I mean the overarching theme there to me would be more of a kind of a personal safety –
1: Issue, absolutely
0: uh mixed in with a dose of well they might not let me buy them in the future so i better get one now. yeah 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 <laughs> uh but it, is, wow it's that is fascinating so f- they said 50 percent
1: 50 percent. yeah the interesting... what was the
0: average before that do we know
1: i don't i don't have that now okay um You know, actually, no, I I, I don't have it written down, but I believe it was in about 30%.
0: Okay. So a big spike. Yeah. 70-30 versus 50-50.
1: Yes. And we have, uh, yeah, this is the period from January 2019. So actually, this is pre-pandemic, through April of 2021. This is when they measured this. Oh, okay. Almost 50% of gun owners were women.
0: Okay. So that has to be,
1: gosh, why would that...
0: That's weird to me. This is pre-pandemic, right?
1: Pre-pandemic and into the pandemic.
0: And into it. So maybe that that that, that latter part of that period is where the big mega spike was. Well, anyway, it, it is interesting that that there has been a shift at least recently in who the new purch- new new gun purchasers are.
1: Well, another interesting part of that is some of the marketing that has been targeted towards males in the past, they, in some cases they say it's been saturated. So you, you've saturated the market of all the men that are going to buy guns. I mean, you have some up and coming men, uh, you know, 18 year olds coming into the market or new enthusiasts, right. That are, that might've been pandemic driven or, or yeah, they might've, it might've been, Hey, in 2020, they decided I'm I'm going to get a gun and where they, maybe they were on the fence before, but many of the male buyers were that was a saturated market and right. so they switched their marketing to more towards women and then you have a lot of these like girl in a gun groups coming out enabling women to purchase guns
0: enabling
1: enabling <laughs> yes <laughs> giving pa- okay <laughs> giving power to um allowing marketing
0: well, it's not really enabling them but it's okay. Uh, well, what
1: would how would what would you say it's
0: a type of Outreach, gun outreach, gun
1: outreach. outreach. (laughs) Actually, it it is actually gun, And, you know, they've used that. That is a word. That's a term that's being used because there's been gun outreach in the female community. And then there's gun outreach in the black community and the Hispanic community. And now
0: who's actually doing that outreach? Is it gun manufacturers? Do we know?
1: It's gun manufacturers, but it's more small groups within that racial makeup. Then they have their group. Like for instance, there's the um, Asian American gun group. There's the. Let me see here. I've got the. Uh, it's
0: just it's just a little strange to me. It's it feels like there is a, a, a concerted effort on some higher level to start looking at the individual demographic subgroups. And saying, oh, okay, well, gun ownership, I don't know, let's say in Asians is only 10%. Um, we think we could push that to 20%. So let's create a group and target them. That, in other words, it doesn't sound organic to me. It, it has the feel that there's maybe a, like I said, manufacturers or an yes. array or some, some kind of political entity perhaps that is. Well, and, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just, it just feels a little.
1: I think it's a little bit of both. I think that, I mean, we've got this Asian Pacific Americans have been buying guns to protect from themselves from hate crimes, according to the APA Gun Owners Association. So, Hmm. you know, there's a story of a gentleman who he was a Japanese man and within his neighborhood in San Francisco. Oh, APA,
0: Asian Pacific Americans. Asian
1: Pacific Americans. Yeah. Within his neighborhood, there's, you know, there's, there was a sort of a string of Asian hate crimes and he's decided he's sixty, and he's like, "I'm going to buy a gun."
0: Well, I can certainly see with the riots that that there would be because you you figure a lot of the larger urban areas have those large uh, pockets of, um, in like Chinatown and yeah. whatever the different. You know, every big city has those sections of town where you have a large demographic pocket, and. If they felt threatened by a lot of those urban riots, I could certainly see a big spike in those regions if gun ownership was low.
1: Yes. There's a spike there. So you have – so just taking Asian hate crime. There's Asian hate crime. Then there's an individual like the man in the story I just, just um, talked about. He wants to buy a gun and then he seeks out his local association – In his case, the, you know, Asian American Gun Owners Association. I I don't know. It just strikes me as
0: odd that you would go to that. I mean, why wouldn't you just go to the NRA? Why wouldn't you just go to?
1: Well, I think no one wants to go to the NRA anymore.
0: They're having
1: so many problems. (laughs) They're almost bankrupt for one thing. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I don't know. For me, I would just, I I would just be like, oh, well, I want a gun. So I go to the gun. I mean, I don't, I I don't have any need for art outreach, but,
1: but, but if you've never owned a gun, Mm-hmm. And you also –
0: Okay, fair enough. So you've yeah. never
1: owned a gun, but you want to own a gun and you want to own a gun well. You right. want to be a good, good – gun, good, good
0: citizen. Good and, citizen,
1: right. okay. but also someone who owns a gun. So you're going to go to the group that's the easiest for you to identify with. Okay. If you are a minority and you're going to say, hey, I want to – can you shoot me – tell me how to shoot so a gun? So what if you're a white guy? Maybe then you go to the NRA. <laughs> <laughs> no. actually, Actually, there's – You know, it's interesting in all these statistics and and, um, people who are keeping demographics on this, there's not – there's some from the NRA, but there's a lot of different other national shooting organizations and they're the ones that are keeping the statistics. I
0: mean to your point, maybe there's been a big blossoming of of alternative organizations precisely because the NRA has had issues in the last few years. I think so, Yeah maybe yeah. maybe that's also playing into
1: it. Well, and do you feel like maybe you're going to go to a group that's smaller and that you know, you're not going to get lost in the crowd and that mm-hmm. has a local chapter and you yeah. can go in there and they're going to teach you how to purchase your gun, how to use it safely, how to store it safely. And mm-hmm. um you know, cuz there's there's a lot of issues with gun storage. Right. Apparently guns, I mean, so many guns are stolen out of cars. That's what a lot of uh people are gun control advocates uh, talk about as a big con of owning a gun is that a lot of guns are stolen. People don't take care of them properly.
0: Hmm. That's okay. I I'm, I'm surprised by that, but I, I guess I just don't, I just haven't had that experience or know anybody that has had their guns stolen.
1: Oh gosh. Um, I but I, I guess that even it was, that
0: depends on, I guess, where you live. And if you're in a crime,
1: if you're you know, a crime, a high
0: crime area, yeah.
1: you know, My dad had his family rifle stolen out of his motorhome in L.A., and it was prior to the L.A. riots. Really? Yes, he did.
0: Okay, so there you go. So then I guess I do kind of know somebody. No,
1: I'm thinking about that. He he had it was it was his great it was his grandpa's.
0: So it was like an heirloom. It was
1: like an heirloom, and it was it was a I don't even I don't think it was a 22. I think it was an actual rifle. And he
0: well, 22 can be a rifle. Well,
1: sorry, (laughs) a higher caliber (laughs) rifle. (laughs) Gotcha. And he. He had it in his, he kept it in his motorhome and he just, he had it for, for camping and right. he just, he just kept it in there. And the motorhome was broken into and he was up in LA and I think he might have been at the airport. Maybe okay. his car was at the airport. It was when he used to drive well, his motorhome as his car. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he did, he did say after the fact, he's like, I hope that that, it was like a year later before that the LA riots happened. He's like, I hope my, whoever stole my gun wasn't,
0: wasn't using
1: running it. around in the LA riots. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a very, very old. I mean, this was when were the LA riots? I mean, this was
0: gosh, wasn't that in the 80s? I want to say, um,
1: it was after, it was after I graduated from high school, early 90s, I think. So early, the yeah, 1990s. yeah, so.
0: Um, okay, all right, so so we're getting a little bit of a picture then, so it's a pretty broad swath of people here. Clearly, we're not just talking about white males with we money. Not,
1: no, I mean, we're um, we i mean, the female ownership is is very, very now interesting so
0: th- so, so that's uh, gone up for new purchasers or purchasing, yeah. but the total amount i'm I'm sure is still skewed heavily to men.
1: it is um, skewed heavily to men, however, This is, what's interesting is that men, okay, white individuals make up about 60% of the US population. Okay. So you're, you're naturally going to have a high percentage of white men owning guns because they naturally make up 60% of the population.
0: Right. But that assumes that white culture, or whatever you want to call it, also, I mean, for instance, I I can speculate that certain demographic groups just culturally may not be quite as keen on gun ownership. I don't know, that's maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, uh, but okay. yeah, all things being equal, if if whites are 60% of the population, of course, then a majority of gun owners would be white. Okay, all right. Well, that's that's actually an interesting little bit of, of data mining I think that we've got there that the recent trend is that women are have have really upped their purchasing of guns just over the last couple of three couple years. A couple of
1: years. Well this listen to this. The National African American Gun Owners Association has seen an increase of a thousand new members each month. Mm. And the perception of threat is not imagined. In the 2021 survey and this is the National Gun Survey, we'll reference it just a little um just a little bit they asked respondents if they had ever needed to use their gun for self-defense, and 31% responded that they used it in a self-defense situation and some more than once.
0: Yeah, okay. So again, that just goes right into the whole theory that I posited that it's these people, it's truly for self-defense in those cases because they're living in dangerous environments.
1: Well, what I found so interesting is they have got 18% in these cases, 18% actually fired their gun. So they actually
0: you mean like at a range or? Oh yeah.
1: no no! In their self defense situation, oh, they needed okay. to fire the gun. I don't. They didn't uh, report whether or not the other person had died as a result of them firing their gun. Just right. that the gun was fired eighteen percent of the time, fifteen percent or fifty percent of the time, they showed the gun without firing.
0: They weapon. Brandished they brandished the weapon. it.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they brandished their weapon. Okay. And thirty one percent. Never even showed the gun. They just said they had a gun. So most cases, we've got eighty percent of the time the gun was not even fired. Doesn't
0: need to be fired, right? It just,
1: doesn't need to be fired. Just
0: the uh, the having of the gun is enough. To- yes.
1: And then twenty five percent were inside of their house, ha- inside self defense. Fifty um, four percent were on their property. So is that someone you're 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 standing on your property right. perimeter and you've got someone coming in?
0: Well, actually, an interesting to me is that it's almost fifty percent that it wasn't on their property That's yeah. kind of shocking oh no yeah. twenty
1: twenty we've got twenty five percent inside.
0: Right, but you said on the property, which would include inside. Sorry, it,
1: it, no, that's uh, that's outside on the prop, like oh, on your on your outside property. So
0: seventy five percent of yeah. them, roughly, happens in or on your property.
1: Correct. Right. Yes.
0: Okay, that makes more sense.
1: Yeah, and then um, we have extrapolated to the population at large. This suggests that approximately twenty five point nine million gun owners have been involved in an incident. In which the presence of a firearm deterred crime on some 44.9 million occasions. This translates to approximately 1.5 million incidents per year for which the presence of a firearm deterred crime.
0: So all of this information here, and that's, you know, that's a lot of statistics and stuff, obviously, but, um, all of this is, is still revolving very directly around this concept of self-defense. Yeah. This this has nothing to do with you know, the constitutional arguments about having weapons to protect yourself against the government. Um so, so that doesn't seem to be a very big motivating factor for a lot of people, maybe even the majority, maybe even the vast majority of people. It's truly a self defense
1: purchase. I would say it was a self-defense purchase for most of these people. They might have a, a long-term goal or a greater purpose to say, I, I, I can own a gun because the Second Amendment, Amendment says I can own a gun. But if you ask them for their immediate purpose, it's for self-defense, perceived self-defense, which could come in any forms. It I, could come – it, it This be, kind of
0: flies in the face again of the stereotype, right? Because one of yeah. the stereotypes is, is some militia guy yeah who's 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 getting ready for the for the feds to come and you know get him in his bunker well no that's all this data is indicating the vast majority of people are doing it for their own personal self- defense purpose and by the way, I'm not saying that uh, having a gun to protect yourself against the government is a bad idea I actually think that's a very important thing but that isn't the average gun owner
1: that's not i well we have someone in our life who just got his CCW, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, what was his reason?
0: Uh, I think his is it's more just the constitutional argument because, and also there's a, there is a certain convenience factor. Uh, we're in California and in California it would be very easy to run afoul the law just transporting your gun to a gun range. Can, there's some gotchas, uh, from what I understand. So having a, a CCW a concealed carry permit will allow you to to uh have the gun in ways that you won't run afoul of the law as easily. So you know there could be just it that could be enough of a reason for somebody especially if they're a frequent uh user of guns at ranges and that kind of thing. But in his case I think it it, it was it was a combination it was that and also just that um because he felt that he wanted to be able to have weapon on him without it being all out there in everybody's face uh in certain circumstances.
1: I, I've also heard that a lot of people in our area are getting CCW because right now we have a sheriff that's
0: Right. It, it well it's it's the again, friendly. It's an opportunity situation because at least in California, I don't know about in other states, but in California the uh The permits seem to be controlled basically by the county sheriffs and so their policy can be more liberal or more lenient in the issuing of the permits. And right now, yeah, in our county, we have a a more lenient permitter, so more people are doing it. But they have to renew it, right, on some I mean, yeah, I know? think
1: you have to renew it. I, I right. don't know Right. So even exact... even
0: if you have a, a lenient one now, that could change in a in a couple of years.
1: Well, we, you know, there are different uh laws. There's shall issue, may issue, right. and the uh the shall issue is the one that's says you just they just have to issue they have You have to do it, right? But the may issue gives a lot more rules. However, if you have a sheriff that is friendly to may issue right you can end up in a situation where he's they're always going to default to yes Mm -hmm. but the in states that are a lot more liberal actually i mean we're we're in california so i mean we're the but however it does depend on the county here in california in other states you might not end up with liberal sheriffs and so if you end up in a may issue
0: yeah i think in uh in new york even though they had a very strict i guess law on on the issuing of the permits that the Supreme court struck down or at least partly struck down, they're still just making it very onerous to go through the process. Yeah. Um, it's just, that's, that's the other end of the spectrum there.
1: Yeah. You have to prove. So, I mean, you basically need to be someone who's being stalked and actual have proof. You know, I'm just using that as an example, but it's in those may issue care cases. It's very, very difficult. You have to have, mm-hmm. or maybe you're even your job is such that you, Need to have that. Maybe it's even not law enforcement, but maybe you carry money or you or yeah. you, you do something where you're carrying valuables. You own a jewelry store or something, you so, know? Uh,
0: what el- What else can we glean from our research here on what an the typical gun owner is or isn't?
1: Well, I, I, we can certainly say that there are gun owners that are out there that are as as are in any across the spectrum of our society there's going to be bad apples and so i mean I'm not going to say that every gun owner is has a gun for who's purchased legally has a gun for the right reasons i but is that is it for us to determine what the reasons are where where does that where does that come into play with red flag laws and
0: yeah well that's uh, a
1: <laughs> I mean that's, well, that's that's a whole different that's subject one of them however holes, yeah. it's
0: obviously you're going to have even legal owners who are not having a weapon for the right reason right yeah the, the uh the crazed ex husband who's decided that he's going to kill his ex wife's boyfriend whatever can go and get a purchase a gun legally and
1: um yeah and if he doesn't have a record
0: yeah if he if he doesn't if he's not a felon and it's you yeah, know well, of course he i guess he has a two day 12 day whatever the waiting period
1: 10 is. day I think in California I'm not sure
0: but a determined any you know a determined person is that's not an impediment
1: well and I mean that if you're a determined person you're going to accomplish what you're going to accomplish yeah, that's with, the thing. regardless of what your weapon yeah. is it could be a car it could uh, be something else and that
0: kind of that's the whole argument right about why restricting gun ownership doesn't actually net any overall safety you yeah. might I mean, yeah, it, theoretically if you could take out all of the hundreds of millions of guns out of the United States, gun crime would go down if that was possible. But that doesn't mean crime goes down.
1: It doesn't mean crime goes down. <laughs> right?
0: This yeah. is this is one of those fallacious arguments and you you see it all the time in the media. Especially in this election cycle, I, the governor of New York right now, she was talking about how well she's, you know, we got to get rid of these guns because you know the gun violence is is just this problem, and that's the the source of all the crime. And it just seems like a a ridiculously illogical argument to me. You don't have crime because there's guns. You have crime because you have criminals, and criminals are going to use whatever means are at their disposal. And if it's not a, a gun, it's a knife.
1: I was just going to say the I mean, knife because they've got, what about all the knifings in London? Yeah. They were just perfect example, right? That, to the point where you couldn't even carry, there was a joke at one point you couldn't like, couldn't even like carry a steak knife around if you were transporting it or something, <laughs> yeah. because you, you, it, it would, could have been yeah. a weapon. Right. So,
0: so th- yeah, that's, that's the, that, I mean that, and that's a whole nother topic obviously, but, it just strikes me that a lot of Americans, clearly this data shows, want a gun for their own personal protection. Yes. And why wouldn't we, why isn't it right for us to do that? And then when you throw on top of it, you know, using the liberal talking points, since blacks are far more likely to want a weapon, Uh, Asians, basically every minority wants to have weapons more than whites. Clamping down on gun ownership is, is by their measure a racist policy. (laughs) Now, I don't subscribe to that kind of logic, but they do.
1: Well, okay, let's, let's look at uh, a case back in Chicago. It was the, uh, McDonald versus Chicago in 2010 a black man named Otis, he wanted to clean up his neighborhood. And he wanted to and everyone, he was getting pushed back in the neighborhood from the local criminals that he was trying to actually eradicate. And in the course of that, he's applied for a gun. He cannot get a gun, because the gun bans were so strong in Chicago, he couldn't get a gun. So then he goes to I mean, the case goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court says that no, you you you, you can get it. You can have a gun for your personal protection. So he he was – here was this man. He was a black man. He wants to protect himself against the element of the neighborhood. But he was being – I don't know if you call that racist. But I mean if he's living in a high crime area
0: – Well, it, again, it's their definition of what's racist, right? To them, everything is a matter of statistics um, so that if if 15 percent of Americans are black – then 15% of all rich people should be black. 15% of all gun owners, you know, whatever the, whatever the metric is you want to use. Um, that's, that's their, that's the lens that they perceive everything, which I think is ridiculous. So yeah, it would be very easy to argue in this case that it's because he's black. He's, you know, in Chicago, which is, I don't know what the percentage of black people is, but I'm sure it's higher than most other areas of the country. Um, um, and so therefore keeping, you know, Chicago as a gun-free zone is inherently more racist. <laughs> so you, I mean, you could argue that using their logic, their twisted logic. To me, it's really just a matter of, listen, the Constitution says you shall not infringe upon the right of a person to own a gun. And if he feels he needs to do that for his own protection, then who are we to say no?
1: Well, I I, I mean, I think that's the other side of the... Argument is who are we to say no? I mean, what about, I mean, you, we haven't talked about, we can talk about homicides in 2021, 21,000 people dead from gunshots. Okay. In 2021. 21,000?
0: 21,000.
1: 21,000. Okay. From homo- uh, gun homicides. Is
0: that the- Gun related homicides. Is that a typical number year by year? A pro,
1: yeah, it went up a little bit, but it's been, it's been, yeah. 2000, was it, 2018? One year was really high, and then it went back down, and then it started climbing back up. But the sadder number, Is 26,000 suicides by gun in the same amount of time.
0: Okay, so that is another argument, right? Yeah. uh, About uh, why to get rid of guns, because obviously, and it's usually men, uh, from my understanding, it's. um, If the gun wasn't available, would the man uh, or would the person still commit suicide?
1: Well, and that—that that is the question. I don't know. I mean, you and I, again, we have someone in our life who committed suicide by gun in 2020. Right. Right. Tragic, absolutely tragic situation. And um, I have thought many times about that individual and if, if the, he wouldn't have owned a gun, would he have tried? Was he so determined that he would have done something else? Yeah. Personally, I think he would have tried something else. Yeah, that was just the easiest. It's
0: it's an interesting hypothesis and cuz i consider this a hypothesis that and and not something that's i don't even know if it's verifiable to be honest with you but this notion that 26,000 people murder or murdered themselves suicide uh by gun if the gun wasn't there a large portion of the 26,000 would be alive i mean this is the argument that people make but how do we know that and we if, don't know it. If, if you're If you really want to kill yourself, I mean, there's an awful lot of ways to do it. Um, And even if, and and this is the other struggle that I have, let's say you could eliminate that 26,000 death toll. Let's say you could make it go down to zero by taking away all the guns. Is that actually better for society, for the society to be defenseless? Like at some point, there's a cost to freedom, right?
1: Yeah, all, I don't. It all kind I of don't, comes down
0: to that, doesn't it?
1: Because yeah, you're you're saying we're going to eliminate twenty six thousand, which you don't actually even know that getting rid of the guns is going to eliminate that. Right. You're you're doing that by taking away a freedom that you're sure to take care of to solve a problem you don't actually know that you're going to solve. That you're
0: going to solve, yeah. So it would be it would be akin to you say I don't know what the number is, but let's say you have a hundred thousand people die in car accidents every year. Well, we get rid of all cars.
1: Oh, well.
0: Right? And nobody would say yes to that because the value of the car to everything in our lives, and it's a certain type of freedom, right? The freedom of movement. It gives us – vastly increases our freedom of movement that we would never otherwise have. No one would ever consider doing that.
1: No one would ever consider doing it. And that's why we don't um, – I mean – there are many other things in society that are in the wrong hands, um, that are, you know, dangerous in the wrong hands, but we don't, re- we don't, uh, legislate what we can do based on the worst of the users, Right. Right. So that would be, if there were drunk drivers, and that would be saying we can't drive cars because there's drunk drivers right. that kill people, or, which is or, terrible.
0: Or we have to, uh no uh, no bar, bars have to be taken that that it's illegal to serve alcohol
1: illegal i mean we have uh in 2020 12,000 people died from drunk driving fatalities so that's you know just under half of the people who died from suicide right approximately and but we're not taking away
0: yeah, right. And you could come up with,
1: tons with, of with things so like many things. I mean, there are so many examples. I mean, here's this an example. Obesity, 2.8 million. This is from the WHO, uh, World Health, the WHO, Research. June t- 2021. 2.8 million people dying each year, each year
0: in the world, in the
1: world, that's, in the that's, world yeah. but that's a lot of people from Either obesity or being from overweight, you know, diseases that have to do with obesity, right. diabetes, and heart disease, and
0: okay. So I think we're getting a better idea of who, I guess, demographically, gun owners are. Um, what else would we say about what the uh, uh, your your typical gun owner is versus the caricature, or the the stereotype. If the, if there is something to be said about it, I mean, uh, we've already debunked the stereotype in large measure. I mean, just from this government data.
1: Yeah, I I, I think we've debunked.
0: Yeah, yeah, so just
1: the the stereotype. Is
0: there any? It doesn't
1: mean some of those people, the people that are being stereotyped, don't exist. Oh, of
0: course not. They they,
1: exist. they yes. absolutely exist. Yes, sure. However, that is not that is
0: that's not the typical.
1: That's not the typical. I I have. <laughs> I have this quote, Um, it was from the uh, Johns Hopkins, and this is how they are uh, depicting um, gun owners. Okay, this is interesting. The increase in the number of Americans carrying guns in public as a result of lax public carry laws fuels gun violence in a variety of ways, such as, one, allowing individuals who have a history of acting violently, uh, to carry firearms in public, okay. Two promoting a shoot first culture of violence, which what? we already know based on that. What is this junk? This is Johns Hopkins. Uh, this is this is the Johns Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions. Who,
0: does that? Who wrote it? Does it say who wrote it?
1: Uh, no, but I mean I could find I, out. I,
0: I wish we could name names because yeah. this is just
1: yeah promoting a shoot first culture of violence, which we already know from the 2021 survey. In only 18% of the cases was the gun. And this, these are legal owners. Okay, yeah, but, these...
0: uh, okay. I'm not even there. Yeah. How is it promoting a shoot first?
1: Where did that come from? This is, this is, but this is standard rhetoric. I, oh no, I get it. I'm saying there. It's they're, made up. Right. That's what it's mean. made up. They're, no. they're
0: just, they're just throwing out there that this promotes shoot first. Yeah.
1: And, and, and then here's number three encouraging armed intimidation by hate groups
0: encouraging armed uh, oh
1: my gosh and then complicating law enforcement's response to potential threats
0: so when i hear something like that or read something like that the only thing i can think of is that somebody in that organization in this case i guess it's johns hopkins has decided that they are going to throw out a narrative because Absolutely. nothing they said is based on anything other than their own uh, biases and suppositions. That's insane to me that that would be considered um, a proper thing to be printed under such a prestigious names journal or article or whatever that is. Never mind how unethical it is.
1: It's unethical. I mean, and then it people is read just... that
0: not realizing – I mean this is the thing, right? A lot of what we read, we only read with half our brain. We're not really reading something and, and and nitpicking every word for its meaning. This is really not how humans read typically. We're kind of surface reading, we're half reading, we're we're just getting the gist and we're quickly going through it. That kind of language right there will put ideas in people's heads even without them realizing it. They're gonna walk away going, Oh my god, I can't I can't believe these guns are, are encouraging these hate groups to to uh to assault minorities. Oh, <laughs> it's,
1: no. I, it's, yeah, this this it's insane. When I read this, I was like, this is you're you're basically saying you're just putting words out there. They're they're not based in, based in anything. based yeah. in any statistics and you're just you're demonizing gun owners. It's saying gun owners are violent. They're automatically in a hate group, right? You're you're in a mm-hmm. if you own a gun, you're you're going to be in a hate group and you get in the way of the police, which by the way, those children in Uvalde who died in that classroom—many parents were trying to get in there, and you know the police didn't do anything. So getting in the police's way would have been beneficial in that case. Yeah, in that case. So I—I um, I don't. I'm not sure that I'm going to put out that you're complicating law enforcement when you have situations where the police don't show up fast enough or well, yeah, show up and well, in, are incompetent. Okay. And I and I support the police. And, and but, just
0: so we're clear. Th- Two, the police, they are, they are, their actual constitutional purpose is after the f- crime is committed. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I, this is, this is this, people think that police are akin to a security force. They are not. That is not their purpose. Their purpose is if a crime is committed to process that scenario by getting the perpetrators, et cetera, et cetera, and handing it off to the judicial system. It is not to prevent crime. Now we do know that the presence of police can be a deterrent to criminals, but that's not a, there's nothing in our system that, that ensures that or mandates that that's just a kind of a human naturey kind of thing. By the way, in the same exact way, if everybody's walking around carrying a six-shooter on their holster, you know, on their belt, people are probably not going to get in a lot of fights and and all that because you know that everybody's armed.
1: Personally, and I think I've told you this before, I prefer an open carry society. The first time I saw an open carry was in Wyoming, and uh, we were camping at a sort of a It was a campground on someone's property, but they had a lot of acreage, so they were placing people, uh, where the camp spot was supposed to be. You, you, you arrived and then they would escort you to your campsite. And the man arrived on an ATV, friendly, big, happy man, and he had a gun just right on his waist. And I thought, you know, we're in California, you don't ever see open carry like that. Mm -hmm. And I was fascinated by it. I had, it didn't, I had no fear. I'm gonna
0: guess that was the genesis of this topic.
1: Probably. Yeah. This was years ago. And I mean, I had already been thinking about it before then, but that sort of brought a lot of clarity into my mind of my feelings about that. And they were even more um, clarified within a couple weeks of that situation, because I had told a friend, I said, gosh, this was so interesting. We, we arrived at this campground and this man was wearing a gun on his waist. And she said, oh my gosh, wasn't that so scary? Didn't you feel so worried? <laughs> and I thought, No. <laughs> no, I did. I really had to sort of think about how I felt about it, uh, you know, retrace my steps and I didn't feel scared, okay. not even for one second. I felt actually safe.
0: So let's think about the person who asked that question. How do you get to the point of, of being so afraid when you see a man having a holstered weapon on his, so I'm, I'm going to yeah. speculate here for a second. In order to get there, you have to have this kind of mindset that the gun going to suddenly is go inherently off. like, could at any moment it could just pop out and start shooting, right? Like the gun is its own entity and of its own volition or with the slightest provocation
1: the that the man can be
0: turned into this mass murder weapon uh, without the, you know, with no control by any humans. Like or
1: suddenly it, the man is going to, who are, we are his customers and we're, we're our customers right. one second. And then the next two minutes there's going to pass and then he's going to turn into he's a, turn he's going to turn on us. Yeah. Right. Right. And, so
0: you, you have to be in some combination of those chains of thought, which are, are, when you think about it, are they're childishly simplistic and overwrought. I mean, it's
1: just. However, do you think that the person who thinks that way reads the article like you have the history of violence? You're oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You've read that and uh, you've absolutely. internalized that, yeah. and that's become your yeah.
0: That's what vision. I mean. That's what I mean by that. You're only reading halfway, yeah. and and you're being well. I mean, in a certain sense, indoctrinated or brainwashed if you're reading that kind of stuff frequently without realizing without reading it critically mm-hmm. like when you when you started reading that to me of course i'm i'm nitpicking every little word um but that's just not how most people are people don't and i'm the same way too so you know a lot of what i'm not doing that every time i read something um and if you if you if, if you've been under that kind of influence for years yeah it's going to create a certain uh, involuntary response like this woman because this did wasn't, have an involuntary it's an involuntary yes response.
1: No, in her 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 question to me was was sincere right and yeah and I, it, with a bit just of so we clear
0: i'm not disparaging her. oh
1: no i know no but i mean it was she really was like oh my gosh right. are you okay and i and that's when i kind of ste- stepped back and i i couldn't believe that we were so we we're friends we're so different on how we perceive that situation to be the safety level of that. Mm-hmm. And I've, but that's not the last time I've heard that I've heard people uh talking about, you know, in, in Idaho, how they've gone into Idaho and people will have guns in Idaho and, oh, they still walk around in guns. Why do they walk around with their guns on their waist? They just think they're trying to show off. Like I, I just, I it just, it just doesn't even, I don't even think about that. Right. It doesn't occur to me.
0: But the, but you we, we can't just dismiss that. The, we can't. The people who do feel that
1: way. Right? No, we can't because the people that do feel that way are responsible for, um, you know, major swings in gun rights.
0: I, yes, based on I, how I they
1: want to legislate those feelings. I didn't mean
0: it just on that. I'm saying, as a human, right? I mean, people are entitled to their feelings Absolutely. and responses, and a lot of it isn't their fault. It's not a, like if, if all you've ever done is read pieces like. What you were starting with that John Hopkins. I mean, I don't think we got four sentences into it and, and I'm freaking out already, but let's assume that you read that as part of your daily routine. Yeah. You're going to be pre-programmed unknowingly to, as soon as you see a guy with a, with a gun on his waist to have a, a panic attack or something.
1: Yeah. It become, it can become worrisome for the people who are um not used to that. I, I don't know if that's different for me because I grew up in a house that had guns. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so I think th- – and actually that's that was part of the stati- – their statistics out there. I think Pew did a, a – has, has some good research on that, on people that own guns today, how likely they were to grow up in a house that had guns. And then it's very normal for them to um, own a gun later. And I mean we had a – it was probably the same gun that got stolen out of my dad's motor home. We had that sitting in the closet – my entire life, it never dawned on me to go in and touch that gun. It just didn't, uh, just wasn't even a thing. Now, I was worried about it. That's. I'm not saying that's right, but I am saying no, no. that I just. I.
0: It's also a probably a, a gender thing too, because you know, I don't. I think as a rule, girls are not true probably interested in it, whereas for boys you know it's like, it's like a tool it's like a thing it's like oh how does this work yes. you know and trevor
1: true. i don't know what i don't know about my brother yeah, what I re- he, yeah. <laughs> I, maybe i shouldn't ask that question <laughs> but here is something i will say i had a situation happen in high school and i to this day i mean i graduated in 1990 so this was a long time ago and it's still clear as day in my mind and it was an after school party someone's house um and Everyone was hanging around the, uh, this person's house. And the owner or the the, the the teenager who lived there came down and had a handgun and was brandishing that ha- handgun.
0: Was it being a show-off.
1: Show-off. Mm-hmm. And I went ballistic. I had enough wherewithal. I, I, I had the brains. I had the presence of mind at age 16 or 17, however old I was to say, put that thing away. You're an idiot. And he was, he was pointing it at people. And I don't even know, I didn't have gun guns. Sa- I don't remember that there was gun safety in my life, right. but I knew that he shouldn't be doing that. And, and everyone was laughing. And this was the eighties. No one, I mean, there wasn't all the gun education that there is now, but I, I, to this day, I, I remember that clearly. And it's something I will have counseled my kids about. Like, you ever around anyone who wants to show you a gun, you, you stand back because you know about guns. We own guns and you don't want to be around anyone who wants to show off a gun because that's a problem.
0: Yeah. And especially teenagers, yeah. boy, they their danger sensing mechanisms, especially for boys having been one myself when I was young. yeah, you, know, you just, you just not, safety is not at the forefront of your, of your brain at that age. For a lot of things. Of course, I, I'm sure, I guarantee you I would not have done that with a gun, but again, probably because I had some familiarity with it.
1: Well, and I think that that was the, that was the issue in that case, because I know for a fact that's something my kids would never do. Yeah, that's... And I know other families that have, that are gun families, they're, they they would not their children would never, in a million years, ever do something like that. This was a family that had, they, I, I, if I could just have an imaginative story about what was going on in this family is that they probably had this gun. There was no gun education in the house. It was clearly not locked up. And the kid, I, I can't remember, but he'd probably been drinking and he wanted to show off this gun to this after school party and no parents were there. And he went and started brandishing this gun all over the place, Right. which even th- thinking back on, I mean, I don't, was the gun loaded? I, I'm horrified. Yeah. By who it. knows? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It could have been. Well, uh, and he, this is an example of the type of scenario that makes people want to say, well, that's why we have to get rid of the guns. But I, I, I anyway. still fall back to the, the thing is, let's say you've got a certain percentage of uh collateral damage to be brutally frank and dismissive about it in our society. Like we got collateral damage f- f- because by virtue of the fact that we have uh, a criminal element and, uh, a irresponsible element. In this case, your irresponsible parents, right? That's still, in my mind, worth the price of the freedom that we're guaranteed by having those guns.
1: I can see that. and I, Because it's more, it's more than just, it's more than just freedom individually to provide your own safety for right. yourself and your family. It's
0: freedom from us from A tyrannical government, if it ever gets to something that crazy.
1: Well, and also, I mean, the situation—if we ever had an invasion—I don't know. I mean, oh yeah, right. I I mean, you could, right? Everyone in the world knows there's, you know, over three hundred million guns in this country, and a lot of ammo. So (laughs) yes, and a lot of ammo, and a lot of ammo. So I think that, I mean, those are all your, obviously protection is going to be your highest need and those are, those needs go down the list, but it doesn't mean they don't exist.
0: It doesn't mean they don't exist. Right. And, and I, I think this is one of those things we just have to come to grips with, just like we do with the cars. A
1: mm-hmm.
0: hundred thousand, well, I don't, I wish we knew what the number is, but I'm sure it's a lot more people are dying in car accidents that are dying from guns every year. And, we're never gonna get rid of the cars, at right. least not for that reason.
1: Not for that reason. Um Well, we're not gonna get rid of all so, of things.
0: So we accept that there is an inherent risk in society. Some people are gonna die, but overall it's worth it. Now, obviously if you're the person or the family member or whatever where something tragic happens, you're, you're gonna be exceedingly upset about it and rightly so. And if there is, um Irresponsibility responsibility or criminal behavior that precipitated it, it needs to be prosecuted and handled. And I'm all for that. But that doesn't mean that you get rid of the item that was used to perpetrate the crime. Um,
1: well, I mean, if we – the item used to perpetrate the crime, really, I mean, if you step back from the gun, it's the, you know, very – mentally ill individual in these oh, yeah. cases well, and, and, that, and that let's i mean you can put all your focus on the actual weapon which you said isn't going to ob- automatically going to go off however wh- the mental illness and the the situations the family situations that are creating these individuals who are so sick who are going to go out and uh, mentally unstable who are going to go out and commit these shootings Obviously Las Vegas was an older man, but you know, that. So. so. Are
0: you talking about when the concert goers or whatever were yes. shooting from? Yes. Actually, you, you bring up something there, uh, cause one of the things that I did discover when I was, uh, looking up information for the topic was, and actually I did it on this computer. Um, the, there is a, an organization called, uh, let's see if I can remember what it's called, the crime, Resource, uh, uh, I wish I had this at hand. Um, oh man, and I, you know, I closed it all out. But it's, it's like the, the, a crime resource organization where they take the FBI statistics and they were doing for various reasons. And, um, in one case it was for mass shooting events or I don't, I can't remember if they called it mass shooting or what. And then they would massage the FBI statistics because the FBI statistics are not totally accurate. For instance, they don't track or they don't include things where a person uh picked up a weapon, pointed at people in a public space, could have caused a mass casualty incident, but was actually stopped before
1: okay. it happened. Okay. So they don't include that. So
0: they don't include that kind of incident, right? That's actually very useful information to the extent that you can track those. And some of that data is available. But one of the things, uh, in this spreadsheet that they generated that I saw was over the past, I think it was from 2000, early 2000s to 2019-ish. Um, Only three of the mass shootings, most of which we've heard about, um, happened in non-gun-free zones or in zones where guns were allowed. And one of those was Las Vegas. Now, Las Vegas is is very special because you had a guy in a high rise or a Mm -hmm. a tall building shooting down into a a crowd, you know, so – I don't even like to include that and by the way it I believe it was the 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 highest death toll
1: 59 um, yeah um
0: plus you know however many injured so many, right yeah. so I think that's the worst incident of of a gun shooting uh at least in modern history so if you take that out the other two were very much smaller by comparison and all the rest of them happened in gun-free zones not only that, a lot of the perpetrators, uh, people that planned it who didn't commit the crime, or people who committed the crime and did not die, you know, through law enforcement action or, or killing themselves,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a lot of them all said that they chose their locations based on the fact that they knew there would be no guns there, or that they decided not to choose certain locations because they knew that people would be armed there. So this all just goes to show that you have a, the hypothesis that carrying guns either in large measure or uh, where people know it, that you've concealed it or that a large proportion of people are concealing or open carry, which is I think something that you're, you said you're a fan of, that that protects people's lives because these guys aren't going to go for those targets. And because
1: they know that there's going to be someone the good guy the with resistance a gun. there. But there, I mean there's a lot of you can go on the internet and you can do a Google search on good guy with a gun and there's just on both sides of the uh well, argument. Right,
0: and that's why I'm saying I'm just looking at the statistics here and if yeah. you take the mass shooting incidents, you know, I'm not it's not including every gun thing, yeah. but but the ones The incidents that cause people to want to take the guns away, it's always the mass shooting incidents. Oh, we got to get rid of the guns because we just can never allow this to happen again. Well, if the vast majority of those are happening in gun-free zones and the criminals themselves are admitting to the fact that they chose the locations based on the fact that people there weren't armed to begin with, that – my hypothesis that arming the people – Arming more of the people and more of the public places is actually a deterrent to this type of crime. They're doing the exact opposite. They're trying to take away more and more of the guns. So they're trying to make us a softer and softer target, to use military terms, right? Yeah. And all criminals, by and large, are persons of opportunity. They're, they're going to commit crimes in area, in ways and in locations and against victims that seem to be the most likely for success. This is just human nature. It's not even the criminal mind. That's just human nature mind. We, we go to the path of, path of least resistance. So the kind of person who carries a gun is the kind of person that doesn't want to be a soft target. And that can be, A twenty-five-year-old mom with her three kids, right? Yes. That could be the sixty-eight-year-old black man whose neighborhood has gone to crap since he bought his house there,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right? Yeah,
1: you. you, Yeah, you're you're trying to create a situation where you are, you know, hard target, right? Right. And in order to do that, you know, you maybe you've taken self-defense classes, maybe you've um, purchased a gun. There's there's a whole spectrum of you know, opportunities for right. you if you're interested in self-defense, right? You're, you're gonna go, you're gonna try to see what they all are and, and, and try so, to pursue those.
0: So here we can look at this both from, from kind of this high level argument that I'm making right now that your average gun owner is gonna be, can be anybody who doesn't want to be a victim,
1: mm-hmm.
0: essentially, or they don't want their families to be victims. That crosses all demographics, that crosses all age groups. And then your data that we started off with that showed, yeah, in fact, that is the case. The government's own statistics bear that out. So this notion that it's just a bunch of white 20-something-year-old hoodlums is your typical gun owner is completely disproven and completely debunked here.
1: Yeah, it is. It's very much – was, and I actually want to reference that um, survey. It was a national gun survey in June – 2021, uh, put on by, I think it was Northwestern University. Um, when we put the podcast show notes together, we can link to that. And, uh, so it's, it's very good reading. I really, really liked that study. I liked how they conducted the study. I felt it was, uh, unbiased with large sample size, 54,000 people. They were able to ask questions, uh, and, uh, do teaser questions. So they weren't able, so they were able to, uh, really get um, good information out of people. And it was, I, I felt that it was an unbiased, um, a, uh, the way it's written is pretty unbiased. So I felt, I feel confident with that, uh, data. They weren't trying to, it didn't appear they were trying to, ha- they had an agenda when they were, when they were putting right. it together.
0: Yeah. And I think that is something you have to be aware of, right? When you're, when you're doing what we did here, which is you actually try to do some research you have to understand that every everybody has a bias organizations have biases and you you do you have to use a little common sense in trying to realize okay what this this feels a little sketch or this seems legit and um and try to get as many sources as possible and we will definitely have that uh the list of all the things that we've talked about Mm -hmm. and some others that we we didn't have a chance to get to um i i i think I think we've definitely established that the at least the stereotypical gun owner is not, and gun carrier
1: gun carrier yeah. is
0: not what people might have assumed, yeah, especially if you're in an area where you're not used to seeing it. So you're just going on your assumptions or what you're told,
1: or you media. read articles like you, the Johns Hopkins, or you read
0: articles, like yeah.
1: Or that. but you know, like you said, it's it's difficult to glean information because you can. Well, we're going to talk about this in a future podcast, but you and I have a whole discussion that we're working on on search, right? And so when you go into search, and what we mean by search is that you're you're going to go to Google or you're going to go to whatever your search DuckDuckGo to go or. And you try to search something. It's what you're getting in search.
0: There's already – the results themselves are biased. Yes. um, And things are not going to be presented. Yes. Which actually do exist, but you're not going to know about.
1: Yeah. You're going to have to really drill down. You're going to have to be able to know how to pull things up and then see who the organizations are that are um, putting information out there. And, um, you know, I wanted to share a personal story on protection. Um, when my mom, when my mom died and Josh and I went up to Oregon and we had just taken her off life support and we went back to her house and we were going to, you know, sleep in her bed that night. We were all exhausted. It was the afternoon and I, we got into bed, pulled her pillow. Up or fluffing the pillow or something and found a gun that she slept with under her pillow mm. for protection. Mm-hmm. And as you know, she died from domestic violence, not, you know, if she would have had that gun out, I don't know. Maybe right. she wouldn't have been able to use it against her. It was her um, ex-husband, but there's a lot of situations where you can look in and there's, they say that women are, um, Living in households with guns because the male has the gun and they use those to intimidate the women. However, if women are empowered, I don't want to say <laughs> enabled, to have, uh, you know, guns through outreach, then the tables could be turned. And that's not just the woman against feeling that she's in a situation, domestic situation that's, d- that's dangerous, but it's also, you know, taking her kids out and, um, feeling protective. Of- yeah.
0: And, and, and a gun. I mean, it's the cliche, right? But it's true. It's it's the equalizer. Yeah, a a an eighty pound woman is just as lethal as the three hundred pound bodybuilder if they both got guns. So I'm a, a huge fan and proponent of women becoming more comfortable with guns. It's like anything else; you can get used to it. I'm you, trying. You, 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 I'm trying. You learn. It takes, yeah. it takes time, but, and you don't have to go crazy with it, but just get just enough familiarity with it so that it doesn't freak you out and so that you can have a weapon for protection and feel like, yeah, if you really had to, you would know what to do. And, yes. and, and that's especially for, for women who don't have the benefit of a spouse, boyfriend or whatever. As the quote unquote protector, mm-hmm. and again, that's just the reality of the human existence. Uh, a woman by herself with her children is going to be more of a target for uh, a criminal than a woman with her man with her, because he represents a serious threat to a criminal.
1: Well, and it comes back to the crime of opportunity, like you of opportunity, said. And right. so, if you are, you know, going out to your car if you're a female alone. And you yeah. a crime of opportunity. I mean, we just, there was that terrible situation where the woman jogger was.
0: Right. Yeah. That just happened.
1: And, um, yeah. So he, he, I think he was stalking her. I, I don't know that that was such a crime of opportunity. I, I, I can't remember that case exactly, but, um, you know, with all of the new gun ownership, I think a lot of the, I, I'm hoping that in the future, a lot of the stereotypes, of current gun owners are going to be dispelled because I think one of the things about good gun owners today from what I'm reading is that since they are joining these organizations, they are very interested in being good at gun owners. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're eventually going to end up with a, a generation of good good gun owners. They, they want to go in, they want to take classes. They want to learn how to store their guns safely. They want to not leave it out on the counter for their kids to pick up.
0: Right, And they want to, they want to be legal
1: they want citizens. to be legal citizens they, they want they, to be legal carriers these people
0: they don't they don't want to listen the the punishments for gun violations are so severe nobody wants to violate these laws i mean the vast majority of people so yeah people
1: unless you're living on the edge of society and you're sort of breaking other laws right. if you're just like a normal person, a normal person. who's just, you know stopping at your stop signs and doing everything you're supposed to do you also and you want to be a gun owner you you want to do it legally you want to go through the proper channels and i think that that's uh, i think that is typical of the generation of gun owners we're seeing now
0: okay well i think we kind of
1: i think we covered a lot
0: covered a, a lot there and hopefully i actually learned something from this process about what a gun owner is i didn't know that that data that you have i think that was really Really informative.
1: I, I could not believe I. What What was the, the most shocking to me was the amount of people who have used guns in um, confrontation, self defense situations. Mm-hmm. How, um, you hear about that, but then actually seeing that the respondents on here, how right. many times,
0: whether or not they actually fired the weapon, and Just...
1: whether or not they actually fired the weapon, and then that was such a small percentage of people that. You know, just actually just had to say that they had the gun.
0: Well, it kind of makes sense. Even if you just think about it from the Hollywood standpoint, right? How many scenes do you see in a movie where the guy just brandishes a weapon or points it at the guy and says, you better think twice, you know, yeah. and not, not even a cop situation, just a, I don't know, out there in the streets or whatever, confronting somebody who's trying to do you harm. Oftentimes those scenes don't end with a gunshot, right? The, the, the perpetrator, if you will, backs down. Um and the situation is quote unquote diffused I mean even in Hollywood that's a pretty common scenario you got to imagine in real life it's could be much more common in a lot of those circumstances
1: in Hollywood that actually makes up the majority of the movies oh, no okay. even even better than that in hollywood and, and in and uh, then my dad I think I, they they were going to buy a gun and they just weren't sure what gun they were going to buy and they were at a, I think they were at a gun show where they were talking to some experts and the experts said the best thing you can get is a shotgun because you can hear it clicking. Right. Yeah. And the, the perpetrators are on the other side of the house and you, you say, I've got a gun and you click the shotgun. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's very distinctive. And
1: then the guy's going, Oh my god, I gotta get out of here. Well, there were other reasons. They said that it, 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 um.
0: It won't pierce through the walls.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's not as, it won't go as far and it, it, um, does short, more short range damage. But the, the idea of just hearing the gun.
0: You know, there's probably a market for a shotgun sounding device. An app
1: on your phone, maybe. Well, I don't <laughs> think that would
0: be enough, but like you make some kind of thing. Click, click. That makes that sound. Yeah. I mean, Jeez, I'm, I guarantee you a lot of women who are afraid of guns in, in areas where they want to have that kind of protection. That would be a good thing to have all by itself for this very reason. Yeah. Cause nobody is going to walk into a shotgun. No, no, no unless you are crazed or
1: drugged out or yeah, something. Drugged yeah, drugged
0: out or something. You are not going to voluntarily walk cause that is, that's death. Yeah. They don't have to be good aim. All yeah. they have to do is pull the trigger and your party is over.
1: Well, and I think that's why the, um, I think I think that's why this expert was saying for home defense that's just really yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. I it's agree. a good one because yeah, it just yeah, and and also just the idea of firing something that would go through the wall and and get a neighbor or something was
0: Now the only and we we need to wrap this we up. Do. We, we're, yeah. The only thing I would say to that is a shotgun is more unwieldy. Yes. and I can see some women not wanting to manipulate a large device like that, whereas, you know, you can get out your little 38 revolver and that's pretty, um, easy to, to handle. So, I mean, there's pros and cons for all these things but that's part of what you discover when you go down the path of saying, okay, I want to defend myself. I want to defend my family. I want to defend my children. Um, and how am I going to go about doing that? So. Okay. So this, uh, is a little segment that I like to call I was wrong.
1: Oh, well, Aaron, I love when you say that you're wrong.
0: <laughs> yes. I, actually, lots of people do <laughs>
1: lots of people in your life, um, feel very, have a lot of joy when you say yes, you were wrong. And I yeah. don't say that word joy lately. I know. And okay. Uh, it's okay.
0: I'm not sure what that says about me, but moving no, no, on. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> so. As you know, I am I like to play Pickleball. And yes. So that's something that I play almost every day now. And uh, where I play, it's kind of just a uh, – it's like a pickup game. You just kind of show up and you put your paddle up and then you – one of the people – one of the four people that were playing in that game has to come out if your paddle is up. And so you end up playing with lots of different people and lots of different levels and lots of different personalities. And, and – Oh,
1: just let me interject yeah. that Pickleball personalities – Are pretty interesting. People that are really into it are very
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. There are people that are like super crazy, but like, and that's like any sport. I guess I just,
1: so many people play. I think I'm more tuned (laughs) with it.
0: Well, and I guess, I mean, people would probably consider me a serious player, but when I'm, when I'm playing, I'm not like one of those. You know, I gotta win it all. costs, stern face. I'm yeah. laughing and joking, and if I get upset, it's always at myself. I, you know, I'll, I'll yell at myself. You know, come big, on, big self-critic. Yeah, big self-critic.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Anyway, so over the last few months, uh, there has been a guy there who I've had to play against or or with on my team, and he's 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 kind of. S- kind of sour in person. He's quiet. He doesn't say much. Most people are joking or laughing, at least on some level, super serious. And he's maybe 10 years younger than me. And a lot of people were like, ah, he seems kind of a jerk. You know, I always think he's mad at me. And everybody always had this idea about him that he was kind of a general sour person. And then, uh, one day I, I came to him and I, I saw him first thing in the morning. I said, so how are you doing? He says, well, actually terribly, but, uh, but thank you for asking. And so I just, I let it go. I'm like, oh wow. Okay. And, uh, a couple weeks later, uh, I said the same thing and I said, so how's it going? He says, well, let me tell you. Uh, every day I have to take care of both of my parents. One is dementia and the other is bedridden with cancer.
1: Oh dear.
0: And at, when COVID started, I was laid off and me and my three siblings, we would take turns taking care of mom and dad. Well, after I got laid off, it be, basically became my full-time job. And so that's what I've been doing. And he said, the only time I can kind of break away from that is when I come to the pickleball court,
1: oh, and
0: so you know you I'm like you go from gosh, this guy seems like kind of a jerk too he seems like one of the most noble human beings, yeah imaginable here is this this forty year old man who's put his life on hold essentially to take care of his two ailing. Parents.
1: Very ailing. It sounds yeah, like yeah. they're not just slightly right. ailing. And
0: he can't even stay, you know, that's why he can only go away for about an hour. Oh and gosh. I'm not sure he, he might have to have somebody basically babysit for that hour. Cause the, the one with dementia, you know, they can sometimes walk out of the house and stuff. So I was wrong about, you just don't know. Sometimes mm-hmm. people, you don't know what their struggles are and they can be, He's actually a really funny, nice guy. As, hey. as, as I've, you know, kind of talked to He's still, he's not a talkative guy. I'm not he trying to say He
1: has a lot that. on his shoulders. But yeah,
0: he has a lot. And so when he comes there, and also the way he plays, he's one of these guys who just, he loves to just hit hard. And you know, the game has a lot of finesse and stuff. And there are people who just like to go out there and hit hard. And it totally makes sense now.
1: He's getting his, he's yeah, getting, he's out. yeah,
0: all his aggression, his frustrations he doesn't care you know and that's why he's not ta- he's not there to have conversations really with people he he's there to just kind of vent in some physical way and
1: but gosh i find it really Special that you asked him and that he actually yeah, and that gave he actually you that said response something. Right. because it's almost like he's now known to one person at Yeah,
0: <laughs> Yeah. I'd, you know, I'd, cause I'd, it is
1: a community atmosphere. It's
0: a total community yeah. atmosphere. And like I said, usually if he says anything, it's kind of a, you know, uh, uh, a negative, a negativish ish kind of joke, right? Yeah. Not a, not a funny joke, more of a kind of a downer joke, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so you know, that's the thing. You, you, you sometimes you just don't know, and, and I consider myself a pretty good judge of character, and I never really thought he was a really horrible person or anything. I'm not saying that, but
1: well, you also don't get offended by people, so very very yeah, easily. it takes
0: a lot for me. So
1: to, yeah. someone like that wouldn't actually you wouldn't feel personally
0: personally thing although yeah. before this, there was an incident with him and another girl who I know. And they just like were just completely at odds with him, and independently, I thought they were both you know reasonable people and and that happened like the day before this, and I think it it kind of was bringing things to a head where he just
1: he had to tell someone yeah,
0: he had to say something, and i'm I'm not saying I'm the only person he said that to i i don't I just don't know, but he's not very talkative, and most people don't really engage him in conversation mm-hmm. and uh so that's the thing i didn't I was wrong about. Maybe what you know what his
1: you're wrong about your first impression, s- yeah, or second his, impression
0: what his his situation is and and what kind of person he actually is, and when people are under that kind of intense pressure and stress, especially for a long period of time, which for him it sounds like it's been basically the last year and a half or two years, it's going to make somebody appear maybe on the outside to be something other than who they really are.
1: Yeah. You wonder what he was like in 2018. Yeah. What was he doing? Yeah.
0: Cause I, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was one of these outgoing jokester types.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I could totally see that. And maybe he'll be able to get there again. Um, but right now he's doing something and, and you ask yourself, it's like, Oh my gosh, could I do that? If I was in that situation, you always question yourself. It's like the same thing when I was in the military. You, you wonder <clears throat> if I'm in a, in an actual, uh, battle situation, will I, will I live up to the expectations? You always have that kind of doubt. Of course, it turns out for most people when they're in a situation, it, it, you don't even think about it because you're you just, just, you're react. just reacting and, and the vast majority of people react. In, in, a, well, at least in our military, I think <laughs> in a, in a noble proper way, but you never really know you, uh, when you're thinking about it abstractly, you're like, oh, gosh, could I do that?
1: Jump in front of the, whatever to save my child yeah. or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, right. You're like, of course, I think, think I would do that, I but think I, I would, hope that but, I would do yeah, that. But
0: would I, yeah. when it actually happened?
1: Um, Were you ever tested like that in the military?
0: No, I was not. Okay. No, I was not. Um
1: I know you have some friends. Yeah, I have were- a lot of friends
0: and and you know cuz so we've talked about that that topic. But yeah, so that was the thing. I uh, I didn't and I don't even it's I don't know if this is a complete I was wrong as much as it was maybe my my preconceived notions lacked any enough knowledge to actually come to any conclusions. And
1: well, that's everyone's life every yeah, day. Kind of right. Really, it's the person at the grocery store, it's um gosh, it's anyone you come in contact with that you're only going to be in contact with briefly or over situations where you don't actually the interaction is not based on uh personal information. Right. So you you, you could have just engaged him in pickleball forever and never known. Never we have know. all we have right. those kind of connections all day long.
0: Yeah. You're always coming across people. And, and, and so that is maybe a, uh, what would you say? Uh, a sales pitch for be kind to people because you don't know. Yeah. And maybe your little moment of kindness is going to change their day.
1: I absolutely think that that, yeah, look people in the eye, make, see that they're known, engage with cashiers, be friendly. Try not. I, you know, you don't want to be on your high horse about being on your phone, but try not to be on your phone when you. Yeah, right. When yeah. you're in, you know, when you're moving through a line or something like that, you know, it it's worthwhile looking at the people around you and and seeing what they're doing, smiling at people. People always like my glasses. I have a really, I have two pairs of gla- eyeglasses that I wear. <laughs> this is a funny thing, and everyone in line, all the cashiers. It's really interesting, especially. They all
0: comment on your glasses. I have
1: so many people comment on, I love your glasses, they say. (laughs) Wow. And it's, but if you're looking at people, you've opened up a conversation there.
0: Correct.
1: Thank you, I love these glasses. Or you know what, I got these glasses. My daughter hates these glasses. So, but I'm glad that you like them. Thank you. And,
0: <laughs> does she really? She doesn't like your daughter. She like these
1: them? ones are okay, but my other pair that I uh, wear, okay. she does not like them. But I get they're the ones I get the most compliments on. So it's just it's. Is a, she
0: like mom? I'm not going to the store with you wearing.
1: No, those. <laughs> but she's just like I don't really like those because you know, teenage girls are pretty honest with right. their moms. And um, but you know, to, without making the subject too long, Isaac's in a class right now on rhetoric, and one of the things he's the teacher talks about a lot is the importance of small talk and he's really big proponent of small talk. He has them actually engaging in groups and small talk Hmm. because he, his theory is that there's so much that happens during small talk.
0: You know that that's actually a cool topic because I agree with that. That is, I just know from my own experience, I don't, I don't engage in small talk with strangers very much. That's not really kind of who I am. However, if I make a point of doing it, the information gleaned from small talk, you, if, in fact, you probably don't remember anything that you talk about, but you remember what you gleaned from the person through the course of the conversation.
1: Well, the whole event, the whole discussion you had, even if it was a minute to, to two minutes with the gentleman at the pickleball court was a result of small yeah, talk. Yeah,
0: exactly right. Yeah, it's exactly right.
1: So you can make someone's day with small talk. Yeah. And it's a lot of things happen in society. When we give up small talk with everyone around us, we lose a lot of connection.
0: Which begs the question Hmm, in the COVID era and the communication via only social media era is small talk kind of dead for? for people that only interact that way? I mean, do you do?
1: Absolutely. It's dead. Yeah, I, I think. I
0: don't think you can really small talk. Over Zoom? Yeah. Well. Because <laughs> you have to call somebody. Maybe over Zoom you could. Ki- yeah. But right. But not- it's not going to be a random encounter. Well,
1: yeah. That's the right, whole point right. is the random encounter.
0: And you certainly aren't going to do it, you know, on Facebook or something. Like no.
1: That. you're I mean, you, you, you,
0: you wouldn't know. take. It takes It's way too much effort, even if you wanted to.
1: Yeah. A lot of small talk happens in real life in interactions that are not ultimately important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, for instance, uh, he, my son was at uh, Target and he was ended up asking the checkout lady, how, what was going on? How was she doing? And they were, in the course of that conversation, she started telling him the story how during uh, the carnival that happened in San Clemente, during the rainstorm, how all these students flooded Target and caused $10,000 worth of damage.
0: How did they cause the damage? They
1: were throwing uh, – they were running around, taking um, Halloween costumes off of the shelves, putting them on, knocking things so off the shelves. So it was like a shelves.
0: little riot? Like a little
1: I, – I don't think you'd describe it as a riot. It was a bunch of kids that were misbehaving. But
0: they were deliberately trying to be –
1: Deliberately just being wild because it, because of the rain and they were having to sort of escape the rain and come inside. And you know, the target employees can't do anything about it, but this all happened Hmm. in the course of this, how are you doing conversation and all this stuff. And and he ends up finding out about this, you know, something I didn't, we didn't know about. So it all happened from small talk. Oh well.
0: Okay. Well, I think uh, that's it for me. Did you have anything you wanted to? uh,
1: I just want to thank you for today's podcast. Yes.
0: And thank you. I, I really enjoy having our, our discussions and, Hopefully other people find it somewhat interesting. I think they will. I
1: think I think they will. There is a lot of good information. It was data heavy. But uh, if you get through that and the meat of the story is that we need to really uh, pick and choose how we describe gun owners in America. And right now we are.
0: Or at the very least, don't assume you actually know. Don't assume. Who you're talking about when you throw that term around. Yeah. Because it's. It's not necessarily the person that you have in your head, the vision that you have in your head or the image. Exactly. Okay. Well, I guess that's it for this time.
1: Okay. Goodbye.
0: Until our next podcast. Yes. I guess I'll have to think about it.
1: I'll have to think about it. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the I'll Think About It podcast. We hope we've given you something to think about. Please share us with your friends and on your social media. Goodbye for now.